0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I hope you're all awake. It feels a little bit warmer than it was earlier this morning. But I must tell you, you East London people, you get cold easily. It's not that cold. (laughs) For us from Cape Town, thank you for having me and receiving me. We've had an awesome time yesterday with the ladies. I'm just so encouraged by the hunger of the people in this congregation. So often, I don't know, if you have children, you sometimes make food, and then they're not hungry because they've had lots of snacks. But yesterday I saw that, that the ladies came to the table hungry. They were not filled with empty snacks, but they were prepared to, to hear and receive from the Lord. It was such an encouragement. Sonika um, and Andre, I just want to honor you for leading this house and for leading it so well. You really run the race of endurance, and you follow Christ, and we can follow you. What I admire about you is that you have a pursuit to, for the call of God on your life, and you encourage others with the call of God on their life. You don't expect people to be the same, but you cheer the others on. And as a congregation, you are being cheered on by your leaders, and I think that's an incredible, incredible privilege. Thank you for receiving me and hosting me and spoiling me so much. I'm going to stay a bit longer still before I fly home because there's limited flights to, to East London. So I quickly want to introduce you to my family. I have my husband up there. His name is Deval. Some of you m- might have met him. He's been here a couple of times before. He's the loud one, if you remember remember him. So the sound team knows to, to um, tune down the sound when he speaks. Because every now and then it comes through quite loud. Um, we have three boys. They are 12 and 10 and 8. Or the little one is turning 8 next week. He's very excited. We call them organic boys. So organic boys means like raw boys. We would have the neighbors call us and say, something is happening on your roof. And then we know it's the three of them racing one another on the roof. <laughs> so they are full of life and full of energy, and we love them to bits. We have to get out a lot and run a lot so that they get rid of their energy. The second picture here was an interesting day. We went for a, we were on a game reserve, and we only wanted to do like a 5k run with them, but we got lost. <laughs> Couldn't find the path, and it ended up being a 16k run walk for the day. So that little one was wasted by the time that picture um, was taken. So, I I grew up in a home where we moved around a lot. So my father worked in a corporate space, so we would often move from one town to another. So I went to six schools during my, my schooling life. So on average, two years, some shorter, some a little bit longer. And people always ask me like, did something happen to you during that, that period? And I, it, it was hard for me to understand how people didn't see that as a blessing. Because if I think about the world today, it's it's so fast-paced. There's so much change happening the whole time. And I thought that I had like a head start in life, being quick to adapt to change. almost um, I have this tolerance for change, and I can stomach it, and I actually desire a lot more. Because one can change, and you can adapt, and you can run with it. In a way, I almost felt sorry for people who stayed in the same place all their lives. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but a kind of shame. <laughs> no change. But now we've been staying in Marmosbury for, for a number of years, 12 years. It's the longest that I've been like in any place by far in the same house. So I need to move the furniture every now and then. <laughs> And paint the inside different colours so that I just get a get a sense of of change. My friend Irene, that's with me here, she often comes and helps paint. Um, we paint boys' rooms, and we put on the music loud, and we we paint things to to do change. But this tolerance for change also created in me quite a a gift to facilitate change. So in the workplace. Um, they would often use me to have conversations with groups of people when there's a shift needed, when there's change needed. Now, I want to share a little bit of a recent presentation that I did. There's a, a picture of a bridge and a river, if you can see that, but it doesn't fit nicely. Um, so I used this picture to speak to a group of people and say, this is the bridge on the river Kulekeka. I had to Google that to get it like rolling off the tongue. Kulakeka in Honduras in South America. The, the region there is notorious for hurricanes. So what they did is they build, they brought in people from Japan to design this bridge to build it to last. And they released and opened this bridge in 1998. And in October of that year, a massive hurricane Hit that area. There was floods all over. 7,000 people lost their lives during the time. All the roads were wiped out. But this bridge lasted. Because it was designed to last. But because of all the rain and the floods, the river shifted. <laughs> and there you had it. And then I speak to my team and I speak to them and say, what do you have? A bridge to nowhere. Over no river but it's a solid bridge. And then I use this analogy that we must change. You know, it's now you built to last is no longer the mantra. The mantra now is built to adapt and, and facilitate the change. And I was presenting this again, and then I read a quote a day or what after it, and it said something along the lines of, I'm convinced that the most important thing most of us not all of us most of us can do to grow spiritually is to stay in the place where we are and it hit me i wasn't sure if i believed it is it true is it not because i have this i have this internal drive for change i like to encourage other people to change but I saw this and I thought, what does the Lord want to say to me through this quote to, to stay? And in this moment, I just want to pause and say that there's often this truth that runs in tension. So the image I have is of a music instrument, whether it's a violin or a guitar. You have to tie the strings on both sides for it to be able to use And both sides need to be set for the truth to be revealed. And what I mean with that, it's God is love, but he's also a judge. The spirit and the word, the kindness of God and the severity of God. There's, There's facets of God that's a both and, it's not an either or. And when I speak today, I want you to realize that I'm speaking about one part, one side. It's not the be-all and the end-all, but it's an element that we need to consider in our hearts. Where are we around this stability? Because surely God is calling us to go. I'm not saying don't go and stay. But on the one side of the spectrum today, I want to pause a little bit and say, what is it in staying that can help us grow. So upon still deciding whether this quote is true or not, I spent some time thinking. Like Sonica say, I drive a lot. It's expensive to drive a lot nowadays. But I have lots of time to think on the road. And I was, I was contemplating about times in my life where I've experienced great spurts of growth. Know when you, when you have babies, then certain times they would eat a lot and drink a lot for three or four days and they call it a growth spurt. The mothers in the room would know those are the hardest because you never sleep. The baby is just nursing and nursing and nursing because there's lots of energy needed for growth. So what was, what was causing those growth spurts in my life? Because this quote said I had to stay to growth. To, to grow. And the first thing I was thinking about is there was a season in my life where I believed a lot of lies. I I took the lies that said I wasn't good enough. My contribution doesn't matter. I'm not exciting enough. I'm too boring. When I speak people fall asleep because I don't jump up and down. My jokes are not funny. And And I struggled to find my place in church. It felt like I really, what was my place there? And in that season, the only thing that I wanted to do was not to go to church, not to be there. Can you relate with any of that? It felt like I want to be everywhere except just in that place. But by staying I had to have some tough conversations and work through lies and also work through communication with other people. I had to learn to address things that I felt uncomfortable with and bring my contribution. But that caused it was a difficult season. You know, I feel like people are gossiping around you the whole time or about you. But it caused, it unlocked inside of me a massive amount of growth it unlocked growth in the other elders in our, in our church because we had different conversations to what we've had before and they were not comfortable. But we got to a place where we really understood one, one another's differences and giftings and not only tolerate one another's giftings, but we realized and we grew to the, to the knowledge that we need one another. So it was a shift from just, Tolerating the differences to needing one another. But by staying, that caused me quite a bit of growth in that period. I thought more, what was other times that caused some growth? At at a time when we were young, young married couple, I really struggled to connect with my father-in-law. We our relationship was strained. So my husband's mother passed away when he was still at school. So my father-in-law was alone with, with the children and, and in their grown-up. But he was very independent. Didn't really plan things. You can see where this is going. <laughs> didn't plan things. Was very um just spontaneous. And I was stuck in a rut and I didn't cope well with it. So it placed a lot of... Strain on my relationship, and one friend had the courage to say to me, "Muni bukaufandi kwatni." Can someone please translate that for me? Like, "Don't keep a record of wrongs." Thank you so much. (laughs) It's an Afrikaans saying, and and just by saying that, being close enough to that person who could say that to me. My perception changed, I realized my wrong, and our relationship changed. Staying, staying when there's hard conversations, persevering, pressing through. Recently, my, my brother and his wife has, has had um, difficulties in their marriage, and it it affected the whole family. And I felt like I want to go run away because they live in the same town as us. And it feels like the proximity is just very close. And it's hard to navigate between your parents' hurt, between your sister-in-laws, your brother-in-law hurt, your own hurt, asking and answering the questions of your children that's trying to navigate and understand. And again, just that that scripture in Psalm um, 61, I think, that says, When my heart is overwhelmed lead me to a rock that is higher than what I am, that place of stability, that place of staying, help me to persevere and to flourish even in that hard season. So to not go and not constantly look for the outcome, the latest, the greatest, the better, but to stay in the hard season results in growth in our lives. And it's about that that I want to talk today. Because I think in our Western culto- culture, we are so, we think about ourselves quite greatly. We know we can change the world. You know? and, I, and we can. Collectively, we can. But as individuals, not all of us will change the world as an individual. Collectively, we will change, we will change the world. But we seek to perform, we seek to be in a better space, upgrade. If you think about you in your community where you're living, the moment you, your finances is in a position to grow, to move to a better neighborhood, we often do that because we change, we up, upgrade, we move on, but that community stays unchanged because we are moving on. And it's around identifying those places in our lives where we need to ground and to root. And rootedness sometimes is physical, staying in a proximity, but often it's just around being less hurried, being less hurried in our day and identifying and connecting with the small moments. So if you have to think about your current Life and the level of, can I call it restlessness? That itchiness for something new. Just consider where you are. And in that context, if we then think about scripture that says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. So I started to think about contentment, and it almost had a negative impact or a Perception in my mind. I had this belief that contentment means I'm accepting the status quo. It means like I don't access my faith for more. It means that I don't see growth. I'm just happy where I am. Can you see I almost had that negative connection with contentment. But then I read in Philippians um, where Paul writes and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But just before that he said, I've learned to be content in all all things, whether I was hungry, whether I was full. And I realized that if I can learn contentment and I add it to godliness, it's something that I can develop in my life. And it speaks of a life being less hurried and more focused on the now So I don't know who of you have started new things, you know, building a a little wood house or starting to make a garden or starting to change your home. You know, we have these projects that we think up for ourselves to keep us busy. Maybe you've wanted to start a fitness journey or something. We're quite good at starting, but not all of us are as great at finishing it. So in our home, we, we often joke that, say, halfway down the road of starting new things, there's demons, the midway demons, that you have to battle for before you can proceed. So when it comes to rootedness, there's two midway demons that I want to speak to us um, today. And the one is ambition. And ambition is a drive for growth, which is, a, you know, it's a good thing to drive. To grow but I want to read to you just a, a piece that I found around ambition and the slight nuance shift that changed in my heart, where I let go of ambition and just focused on what was God's call um, for my life in that situation. Ambition's voice is subtle, often suggesting new and exciting things that are undeniably good work. Ambition suggestions are deceptively attractive because they can really be dismissed outright. There is, after all, no way to say beforehand what sort of extended healthy growth might lead to. But God's people may be called to put out new branches. We need to consider new ministries, even extend our boundaries beyond the limits that we've initially Um, imagined for ourselves. To refuse growth outright is a contradiction to its its nature. We're made to grow, but ambition tempts us to forsake the mundane for the sake of the ultimate growth, or at least for new opportunities. We are easily unimpressed by the ordinary, And I've learned in my life, in my pursuit for Christ, I think about changing the world, changing changing the community, seeing circumstances change. And then when I don't see those things happening in front of me, I become discontent. And recently, I had a day, just upon reflecting around this, where where I had a meeting at work with a vendor that's providing services for our company, and the guy just didn't pitch for the meeting. I was fairly irritated um, because it was well arranged. No one let us know that he won't pitch. And slightly after the meeting, he sent me a note just to say, I'm sorry I missed your meeting. I was in the divorce court 30 years ended in three minutes, and the three minutes was in your meeting. And my heart changed in that moment, and I realized something as mundane as Hendrik missing my meeting was a massive opportunity to connect with someone's heart. So I then could reach out to him and just minister, he just Just literally minutes ago, finalized the divorce in court. Some days, the mundane stuff has incredible, incredible purpose, and we need to open our eyes for it. And I also tell the next story with a bit of a shameful face, because not always, you know, as intentional. Sometimes I just say stupid and silly things, and then God uses it. So also recently, We were hanging around the coffee machine in the office. And I don't know, like many of you, but in our workspace, most of the people came back double their size after COVID. I don't know. Is it only a Marmosbury Cape Town thing? Did it happen here as well? But there was this one guy, he came back half his size. You know, from double on the one side to half, it's a massive difference. So we started joking around, around the coffee machine and said, oh, you are, you are now nice and thin. And he said, yeah, he's, he's having a stressful situation. And I, the silly thing I said, I said, no, when men lose weight like this, they have an affair. I'm done now, what did you just say? And his face kind of, he went into shock mode. He said, can we go to your office? And he told me that he's having a an affair, and he hasn't told it to anyone, and he's struggling with it. And at work, they've been struggling with his performance management, because obviously he's going through a very, very turmoil time. So even silly moments, mundane things, God can use powerfully because you are there, you are in the proximity. To do that thing. On the other side, the other midway demon is boredom. I don't have lots of stories around boredom because my personality tends to not allow (laughs) for boredom. But what I've seen is that if the people of God don't have an assignment that they are focusing on. Something that they are contending for that gives them purpose and they are bored they're also not really grounded, and they're also not really content. So if you're sitting on that side of the spectrum, I just want to encourage you to speak to God about this boredom and ask him to give you something exciting to partner with or to pursue so that you can, you can work on that contentment. I just, I just feel that there's someone here today that's really during this COVID season, that you've become very, very tired of fighting specifically in the workplace. And I just want to encourage you that there's grace upon your life for God to renew a steadfast spirit in you again. So if that's you, just take that, that God renews a steadfast spirit within you. So I want to take us to a very well-known scripture in Isaiah 61. It's a scripture that's a prophecy about Jesus, but it's also his own ministry, how he describes his own ministry when he is on earth. And you all know that. For the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to comfort those who mourn in Zion. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. So the first key that I want us to see there is all of this, everything, the ministry God is giving us. Why? For his glory. That's where we are going So all our actions, everything is for his glory. But what stood out for me recently in this is the way that the believers are called. It's called a planting of the Lord. Now often I think of us believers as an army. Or there's different ways we can think about it. But planting, it's such a specific word in that sense. And I started to think about what is planting in my pursuit now of of thinking about rootedness and thinking about stability. And if you think about trees, and a lot of them, and they're standing there like solid planting, that's one way that God calls us. Now, what is your expectation if you think about that? I have an immediate response that says, there's, "There's something around growth when there's a plant. There's a planting. There's an expectation for growth and for fruit in our lives. But secondly, there is also a natural state of a plant. It's it's not. It's the default state is not to be moved." Once you are planted, you can replant a tree. If you love change like I do, you change the things in your garden constantly. They die because you move them around too much. But it's not the natural state. If if God moves us, yes, we can be moved. But there's something around being planted which causes growth for us. Jesus is our number one stability, and because He is stable, we can be stable. We are the planting of the Lord. Okay, so how do we grow where we are planted? Just want to introduce three thoughts to us. Firstly, stay rooted. Don't let hard let hard seasons grow you. And not uproot you. Have you ever felt like the circumstances you are in feels tough? And the only thing is you want to move. You just want to start a new job. Or you just want to move to a new town and start over. You just want a blank canvas again. And it's in those seasons when we choose to stay that we grow in our authority, we grow in our depth in our relationship with God. Colossians 2 says, Therefore, you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that thanksgiving But Thanksgiving is a massive key when you're in a hot season to stay rooted. It helps to shift your focus. It helps to shift your perspective and see things the way God sees it. Psalm 52, but I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love and ever, forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Three keys for us there. Trust in his steadfast love when the hard seasons come. Praise. Again, that praise links to the thanksgiving that we just spoke about. But then in the presence of the godly. There's something around when we praise and we we proclaim God's goodness in front of other people that builds our faith. I don't know if it's just the way that, that you know other people are hearing you, that you believe it more. I don't know if I'm the only one like it. But in the presence of the godly. And I just sense, um, I was reminded during worship now of a scripture, I think it's Proverbs 18 verse 1, that says, the man who isolates himself seeks only after his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. And that's quite a, it's quite a hot, hot verse. But I just want to put it out there that, that if you feel in a way that you are justifying isolation and being alone and disconnecting from people, mostly because of hurt, I know I've been hurt by people a lot. Also, I just want you to go back to that scripture and ask God to speak to you about that isolation. Okay. So, we are speaking about don't let hard seasons uproot you, but stay. So, recently I've been, I had to facilitate our leadership conference, which was a a blended event. So we do it from a studio in, in Cape Town, and I was the host for the two days. So I didn't present any content. I was just facilitating the flow. But as part of that, you get an opportunity to set the tone for the whole conference. So in my preparation, I, I worked hard. I asked people to help me. I, made, I asked God for a word for the people and then I put it into business language, but I just proclaim it through a video that I wanted to play. And then as I submit my, my slides and my things before the session, one of the executives called me and said, this doesn't fit, doesn't fit the tone of the conference. Can we take it out? And at first I was very angry. You know, I, I spent a lot of effort and I know it's what God is saying but in that moment, God just dropped in my heart and said, let it go. And, and the words he used was, for me, is, you just stay in touch with what there is to know about God. And l- only later on, I recall like a memory of a verse from, from the message translations that, that says, I want you vo- woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with all there is to know about God. There you will ha- then you will have minds confident and at rest. And I just want to encourage you, if you feel or hear that people are saying to you, you are not in touch with what's happening in reality. Often when we believe us in the workplace or even in a school and you come from a different spirit, you get labeled that you are not in touch with what is happening. I just want to encourage you, stay in touch with what God is saying about you. Don't let hard seasons uproot you. The second thought around being planted, stay hydrated, water the ground around you, and stay thirsty. And that's really just a key for us to change our perspective and to speak life to keep our hearts soft, and the soil of our hearts like soft clay, so that God can mold it. You now He can mold any clay, but it's easier to mold soft clay. When you're hard and you you stubborn, it's not that easy for God to mold you. So if you want to grow where you are planted, keep your heart soft and hydrate it. By connecting with God, allowing God to speak to you. Um, really just treasuring intimacy with him as a special, special connection that will allow you to grow. Third thought. Stay consistent. Consistency guarantees growth. So a while ago, I've been asked People often ask you when you're a pastor's wife, what's the price of ministry? Um, And what's the biggest blessing of ministry? And we're quick to say the price about ministry. You know, those late nights, the poor pay, you have to fight for other people. People are, when you've supported them a lot. I don't want to go in all those negative things, but that's often things that that ministry leaders has to deal with. But I applied my mind a bit and said, what was the biggest blessing for me personally by being in the ministry? And I heard Andres saying, Sonica only came to church because she was the pastor's wife. I could resonate so much with that. Because through a season when my children were very small and I had three babies and we couldn't take turns to be in the mother's room. I was in the mother's room for six years straight. Never attending a service because my husband is preaching and I'm sitting in the mother's room. But that consistency of not, almost being able, I know I'm able to step away, but I made a commitment not not to, to move away. That consistently, consistency has caused significant, significant growth in my life. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. I'm sorry, I don't have that on the board, but it says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I was just reminded about this morning, about this scripture that it's really an opportunity for us to consistently grow. There's a number of keys here. So let's go through it. We all. So there's an opportunity for us to connect with other believers. And not just stand on my on our own. But when we connect, we become the we all. The next thing is with unveiled faces. So that speaks of letting go of the masks, of dropping the pretend and becoming real and honest with one another. If we all, with an unveiled face, behold the glory of God, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. So the key to grow where you are planted is to get into a we all, unveil your face and behold Christ together so that we can grow into who he has called us, the planting of the Lord. Now I know that's contrary to, to what the world says. The world, the world makes us run around like headless chickens. The world makes us hide all our faults. And I just also sent for this service specifically just to ask that if you experience a fear of failure, please come that we can pray pray with you. We recently had an engagement in our house. My husband is on on a sabbatical, so he took over the homework of the children for this whole term. It was incredible. I had so much rest because of him doing all the homework with the children. But my little one had to make a mask in school. So they had to make a, um, one of the big five out of a paper plate. And we practiced everything. Daddy and Luca practiced everything. And, and then four or five days later is now when they actually have the day which they should make the mask. But no one reminded him and his little flip file with everything that he needed stayed behind on our desk. We didn't even realize it. He came back from school. He was very upset. Couldn't make his mask. And the first thing I wanted to do was be very angry with my husband. Because you only have to do the homework. That's the only work you have to do. Now you forgot that, you know. But I didn't. I zipped my lippies. And in that moment, in that moment, God told me that he wants to reveal something about our child that's incredibly important. And I started to engage Luca and he said, but he got a paper plate from someone else and he could find all the things that he need to make the mask Um, and he practiced. So he, he was actually not that bad prepared, but then he looked at his mask and it wasn't pretty enough and he didn't hand it in. And the next day, I'm like, no, what did you do? He said, it, it disappeared. It's now a seven year old trying to say that, you know, I had it, but I really don't want to tell you what I did with it, but it never ended with the teacher for marking. And God revealed to me that my little one is struggling with the fear of failure. And, and we could deal with that appropriately, and his life will be different forever because we dealt, we dealt with that. So instead of being angry with my husband, the direction of my son's life changed. I'm grateful for that. But in worship, I saw that little mask of, of our son. So I just feel that there's people here that really needs deliverance from a fear of failure. Because if you need to be consistent, you have to try again and again and again. On Friday, when we flew in from Cape Town, as the the plane approached for the runway to land, we were at a stage, I told my husband, you can almost read the numbers of the streets on the houses. So we were pretty close to the ground. And just, we were expecting to land, and then the pilot just um, accelerated and went up in the air, and he circled around a bit. And after some time, he said, but the conditions was just too dangerous of a rainstorm that passed over the runway. He couldn't see the runway, so he took a decision to, to go up again. And as he was approaching the runway for the second time, I had the sense of I'm wondering whether is now intimidated and scared if he's going to make it this time, or whether he's confident and knowing It's a fresh approach. It's another opportunity and go. I think it's significant for us that when we fail the first time, how do we approach that second runway? Are we going in doubtful and already thinking, I couldn't do it last time. How will I be able to do it again? I believe that God wants to release in us just the boldness to try again, valuing consistency in our lives so that we can become The planting of the Lord. So before I hand over to, to Andre to facilitate some ministry for us, I just, I just want to pray over, over us, if that's okay. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and Lord, I just bless this congregation and I declare over them that they are a planting of the Lord. Thank you for the potential of growth in their lives. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for the fruit in their lives. Lord, I pray that that they will be content daily as they follow you. But for the Lord, he is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And he will have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing the will of God and things that were commanded to you. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.